5: number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578 to be on the air. Bible Talk with Pastor Emery Moss. Welcome to the Bible Talk program and our usual Thursday edition. And you know what that means? We've got the fantastic Mr. Smith, Bible scholar, with us today. Uh, No telling where he comes from in the Bible because he can come from a lot of different directions, whether it's prophecy, hermeneutics, but he's into also a lot of guidance. So let's see what he can help us with today. How are you doing, Mr. Smith?
3: Very well. Thank you, Pastor Moss. Always enjoy being on your program. Appreciate the privilege.
5: Well, we enjoy having you, that is for sure. And what is your, your topic for today?
2: Well, I
3: want to go back to where we left off last time. I was talking about uh, various sources of false guidance. Uh And we stopped on number 10, where I have the statement, Exclusive Reliance Upon Our Own Resources in Understanding God's Word without seeking the assistance of the godly, consecrated scholarship of other men available to us in books and Bible study tools. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, Pastor Moss, unfortunately, have not been taught very much about these things in many churches. I'm not saying yours. I'm sure they know more. But (laughs) I've I've been to churches where people did not even know what a cross-reference is, And they had never seen a Bible that has cross references in it. Mm -hmm. And these were sincere, deeply spiritual, saved, born again, Bible believing Christians. And I I think uh, it's time the pastors wake up in some places and teach their people how to study God's Word.
5: Yes, that's very important. Yep, you're right.
3: right. Now, last time we were talking about Daniel chapter nine verse two where Daniel says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And we looked a bit at some of the cross-references last time that were given there, and a question arose in connection with Jeremiah 25.12. Which is one of those cross references, and it says, And it shall come to pass, when seventy years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity, and the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolations.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, the question is perpetual des- desolations. Has this happened yet, or is it yet future? Right yeah what's going on there yeah, so the key to figure that out is cross reference to Isaiah chapter thirteen verse nineteen and also verse twenty verse isaiah thirteen nineteen says and Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah wow. Now, the point is, that hasn't happened yet.
5: Okay. So that
3: means that that prophecy must be a reference to future things. Now, there's a study Bible that I like because it is very accurate on Bible prophecy. I don't agree with everything in this particular study Bible I'm going to mention, but it does do very well on Bible prophecy and lots of other things, too. And that's uh-huh. the Dick's annotated reference Bible. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but yeah, I've heard it of. is quite good. Mm-hmm. On those, well, I'd
5: like to bring that up because just because we don't agree with everything a commentator may say, that does not mean that uh, there can't be valuable light thrown on Scripture.
3: Yeah, that's right. Now I'm going to turn and take on my Esword edition of it, and for Isaiah Isaiah 13:19 where it says Babylon shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, he's got a whole list of things. I mean, he just goes on and on, because he's good at making lists and outlines. But after his list of ten points, he says, If Babylon is ever to be destroyed in the way that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that is completely, this must be in the future, for such has not happened in the past. This is one reason for associating the prophecy with the future destruction of Babylon, as described in Revelation fourteen eight, and Revelation sixteen seventeen to twenty one, and Revelation eighteen one to twenty four. I'll just read you Revelation fourteen eight to be uh, illustrative. And there followed another angel saying, "Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city." because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, I'm going to see if I can go to verse 20 notes. And verse 20 says, concerning Babylon, it shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. Neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. And looking in Mr. Dake's notes for that one. He explains it line by line, word by word. And uh, I'm looking to see if he says anything specific that would add to what the verse said, but he just explains the doleful creatures,
5: the owls, the satyrs, and he gives the Hebrew for that. And and he's placing this in the uh uh, actually, continuing until in the Book of Revelation, right?
3: Yeah. Hmm. So I just thought I would mention that. To, uh,
5: in, in your uh, estimation, what we, eschatology, what will uh, the the Babylon of uh, Revelation fourteen uh, look like? What will that what will uh, uh, what would that uh, appear to be when it comes? What nation? That's a
3: that's a very amazing mystery. We don't know for sure, uh, many scholars think that Babylon will be rebuilt in that time. Uh-huh. Now, there are others that try to make out that the United States is the Babylon that is in reference to it, so it's a spiritual thing, and that we're the ones involved that are going to be destroyed. But I don't think that that's the correct interpretation myself, though a lot of people claim that that's what they believe it means.
5: But it seems like uh, also, Mr. Smith, that uh, possibly uh, this is something that uh, we will have to, to wait for, uh, because in uh, in Revelation 17, it's called Mystery Babylon. Here, he even calls it Mystery Babylon. Uh, but definitely Babylon brings to, what, what will that be like? What will, in your estimation, be so, would...
3: I think the Babylon there in the book of Revelation, if you read those chapters carefully, mm-hmm. you've got Look. introduction to the idea of Babylon, and I think it's kind of a spiritual—I don't mean ethereal, I mean Uh
2: religious—Babylon.
3: Now, the Reformers thought that that was the Roman Catholic Church. I think that's overstepping the bounds a little bit of rules of interpretation, but it's a religious force, among other things. And then the other chapter deals with what we would maybe label commercial— Babylon, and that's where people think the United States would be at. But if you look at the way things are turning lately this year, I'm not so sure that our economic power is going to sustain some of the blows that are being leveled against it by the current administration that seems to try to tear the country down.
5: Well, you're right. You're Definitely <laughs> so. It looks like that places this even further in the future, because you're right. Now, uh, we're headed into economic trouble under the present administration. I agree with you.
3: And for people who want to learn more about those things, the program that just comes right before yours, I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name that uh, is so good there.
5: Yeah, Dale Wood. He's fantastic. Absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Dale Wood. Yeah, he
3: is absolutely fantastic and right on the money. I mean, he carefully studies these things out and I think, in my opinion, presents very good,
5: good information. Yes. Uh, that's a yeah. good
3: source to help stay up with what's going on.
5: That's right. If you want to know what's happening and uh, the inside out of it, uh, uh, run to win. He he does an excellent job.
3: Yep. Now, I want to mention in connection with this uh, item number ten that I'm dealing with uh, what I call suggested resources for Bible study. A long time ago, <laughs> my brother Martin—I always called him Mark. That's always. Referred to him in our family, but most people knew him by the name Martin Smith. He said, Jerry, he said, I can't afford to have as big a library as what you got. He said, tell me 10 books that you could name that I really should have, and I'll see if I can save up and buy those and have those to work from. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good question, Pastor Moss. Yeah. And so I made a list for him, and uh, he went ahead and did just that. Now, one time when I spoke at your church, you remember that I shared my list of Bible study tools and references. And uh-huh. uh, it's, the people were very interested in that, and a lot of people tried to get some of those books. So I'm going to present the list to your audience now and uh, maybe say a word or two about each one. Now, these are older works for the most part. Some of them might be out of print. Some of them are available in Bible software. I know that most of these are available in the Logos Bible software program, and many of these things are available in the ESWORD uh, Bible study program. The interesting thing is that the esord program, most of these things are free. So that kind mm-hmm. of saves on the pocketbook. That's right. Me give you the list. <laughs> the first book that I found helpful in my Christian life was The Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. I would never have known of it for a long, long time, I'm sure, if I hadn't been taught about it in a how-to-study-the-Bible class at Highland Park Baptist there in Highland Park, Michigan, 25 Ford Avenue at the time. And it was taught by a young lady named Ellen Groh, G-R-O-H, she was a student at what was then called the Detroit Bible College. later became Tyndale College, and it's not there anymore, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have heard from her since then, too, and uh, because I mentioned her in the preface to my edition, the, the new Treasury of Scripture knowledge as being the person responsible for me learning about the Treasury of Scripture knowledge. That is a wonderful book. And what it does is it gives cross-references for nearly every verse in the Bible. And what those cross-references do is they let you know many of the other places in the Bible that shed light upon or explain the verse that you're looking the references up for. Wow. And that is a wonderful means of Bible study. It is far better than a concordance, though concordances are necessary. Because the cross-references go by thought, not just the precise word being used. Yeah, that's right. Much more I could tell about cross-references. We could devote a whole program to that. But I'll just mention that's the first book on my list because it was the first book that helped me in my new Christian life back as early as 1955, I think, when I bought my copy. Now, the next book on the list is called The New Topical Textbook. And I don't think there's an author for that. People think R.A. Torrey wrote the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. He didn't. He just wrote the introduction. He also wrote the introduction to The New Topical Textbook. And in that introduction, he gives some very good hints about how to study the Bible. But The New Topical Textbook is just what it says. It takes Bible topics and lists them alphabetically by subject, and then it gives subdivisions under the verses that deal with that topic. Now, a larger work that uh, prints the verses out, so you don't have to turn to all of them, is Knave's Topical Bible, and that's an excellent resource also. Now then, another resource that I've bought early in my Christian life from the earnings from my paper route was Strong's Exhaustive Concordance to the Bible. Uh-huh. That is a very important resource even yet today. Yes, it is. And, uh, and if you learn how to use that, that will help you find a lot of things in the Bible.
5: Yeah, and that's the, the key purpose of the concordance is to help you find uh, uh, verses. And uh, the men who put that together, and the women, that was a job. Can you imagine knowing the word? You can find the verses at an awesome job of scholarship.
3: Yep, and it took them a good while to do it, and then to, to proofread it and verify it, and all. It's quite a story how that was done. Wow. Now the next resource I recommend, and it's still in print, I believe. Of course, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance is in print. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words now the volume has been expanded a bit so it covers both the new testament and the old testament which makes it even better today but the original volume that i first had was called vine's expository dictionary of new testament words and that clarifies the underlying greek text greek words that are under our english words and shows the distinctions and usage and it's very very helpful now, the next volume may not be as familiar as uh, it should be to most people, but it's still, I found it very helpful, and I'm the guilty culprit that arranged to see two it it got back in print years ago. <laughs> and, that's, and the publisher sent me a free copy to thank me for recommending that they put it out. That was Baker Publishing Company, Baker Bookhouse back then. Figures of Speech Used in the Bible by E.W. Bollinger. Now, once again, Bollinger is not altogether correct doctrinally on some points, but nevertheless, he did a marvelous job of studying the figures of speech used in the Bible, and that's about the most complete, easily accessible volume on the subject that you can get. And it's, as far as I understand, still in print. Now, I went through that book with a fine-tooth comb and found all the printing mistakes and the reference mistakes and all that, and when I produced the new Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, I put the corrected figures of speech and all of the verses related to each figure in that
5: resource. Now, and next, I like you put that, Mr. Smith, because uh, just because you don't agree with a, uh, a scholar's uh, p- a position on everything does not mean that they can't, you know, unless you're dealing with something that's just a cultic document, but other than that... We can differ on some things, but yet uh, learn a lot uh, from uh, some of the uh, uh, the uh, sound things that we have in common.
3: That's right. And I will say
5: that E.W.
3: Bollinger is what is called a materialist. That means he does not believe in the existence of consciousness after death. So he uh-huh. would be in line with what Seventh-day Adventists believe and what Jehovah's Witnesses believe on that particular issue. Uh-huh. However... If you use his critical lexicon in concordance, which is another volume I haven't added to my list here, but I have it, uh, he's very honest and tells the truth whether it agrees with his position or not. So that shows me that at least he's being honest. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the next book is the first non-Bible work, non-Bible, I don't know how to say it, uh, but it's the first book I bought as a new Christian after I bought the uh Treasury Scripture Knowledge and it's a volume called Biblical Hermeneutics mm. by Milton S. Terry. As I recall it's about it's a single volume, about seven hundred pages long. And it was published by Zondervan and I bought it back then, I think for about five dollars. It costs wow. more now, but I it may still be in print, I don't know very good on the subject, but if you can't find the one by Milton S. Terry, there are lots of others that are probably very helpful. But I found, as a teenager, in my late teens, reading it while I was in high school, it taught me a whole lot about the Bible, let me tell you. Now, the next one is Systematic Theology by Augustus H. Strong. It's uh, three volumes in one, and it is very good. It's from a Baptist viewpoint, by and large, but to me, the denomination doesn't matter. He has excellent uh, information on Bible doctrines and a lot of fine print, but in that fine print, he's got a lot of helpful stuff.
5: Hmm.
3: Now, the next one I would mention, Systematic Theology by Charles Hodge, that's in three volumes. And it's from a Presbyterian and Calvinistic standpoint, by and large. But still, it is very, very, very helpful, and I have used it over many years. The next one is a one-volume Systematic Theology by Charles Finney. Mm -hmm. And he gives a different slant on some things, but often he's very helpful. You'll remember, historically speaking, he was involved in revivals
2: and... uh,
3: won a lot of people to the Lord. He started out, I believe, as an attorney, but uh, did a wonderful job of reaching people for Christ. Wow. And the last systematic theology I'll mention, I've got whole shelves of them here, Pastor Moss, I'm trying to mention the best ones from distinctive positions, is by John Miley in two volumes. He comes from a Methodist and, uh, I guess you could say, Wesleyan Viewpoint, though, he wrote his book before the Westlands came along as a denomination like they are now. Mm -hmm. Now, the next resource I would mention is The History of the Christian Church by Philip Schaff.
5: Yes, he's good, Very good.
3: And uh, it makes for good reading. It's actually easy to read. Don't get scared by how long it is. Just read it for getting the information.
5: Well, with all oh, these books God, now... I've got
3: whole of stuff on church history, too, but I'll say that's the one to—it's nice to start from.
5: You're right. Here's really are. But, Mr. Smith, with all these books you're re- recommending, how are we going to get money to buy all these books?
3: Well, you got to get a paper out like I did and uh, <laughs> learn more than what you spend, and you can afford them.
5: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Save that money. Because uh, definitely if there's a time to get yourself into some good information that time is
3: now. <laughs> yep. Now on Bible prophecy, there's a thick volume, it used to be thick cuz it was on thicker paper. My copy is by uh, Dwight Pentecost called Things to Come. Yes. I believe that's about the best single volume on Bible prophecy that is even yet available and I have a lot of books on that. A whole bookcase full. I'm so glad because that of you used all said. the ones I've read, that one is the best because it treats of the different positions people take and gives kind of the pros and cons for each position, what's the weaknesses, what's the strengths,
5: and so on. And to be honest with you, without even knowing that you had mentioned that, uh, this is a book I use in my prophecy classes, and you're right, it's the best I've seen. Dwight uh, uh, Pentecost is something else. He covers all the bases very objectively, And uh, he gives you a bunch of scriptures. So if uh, if eschatology is what you want, definitely uh, you want to be looking at uh, 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 Dwight Pentecost. I agree with you. He's excellent.
3: Yep. Now, the next one is also on Bible prophecy. And I think you have it, Pastor Moss, but if you don't, save your pennies and see if you can get it. It's still in print, but it's quite expensive. Now, when I bought it, it was $10 a volume. But back then, $10 was a lot of money. But it's called The Theocratic Kingdom by George N.H. Peters. And that's in three volumes, as I said, about 700 pages per volume. But if you study that, then when you read what other folks have written on Bible prophecy, right away you'll see whether they did their homework or not. Because he most
5: certainly did. Wow. Well, listen, that's a lot of good uh, material to know about. Uh, And uh, I'm still thinking about... um, uh, which you mentioned about Dwight Pentecost, I uh, went to um, on a trip and took the book with me to study and left it in the hotel, and me and Sister Moss went out, came back, and somebody stole the book.
3: <laughs>
5: but I forgave them. I said, well, if they sold that one, then they, God bless them, because it's got a lot of material, but somebody liked that book so much, they, they took it, stole it from my our hotel room.
3: <laughs> oh, boy. I had a new copy, too, Pastor Moss, when I was teaching at Cass. And somebody took it and didn't return it. So I hope the Lord has blessed its use wherever it ended up. (laughs) At least I still have my old copy, the original one, at home here. Then, uh, a very important issue, The Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. Absolutely. A very good one. And along the same line, but only deals with four of the cults, but in great depth, Four Major Cults by Arthur A. Hoeksema. Uh,
5: all right, well, all those are good ones. I'm not about the cults. Yeah, we just run out of time. I mean, talk, listening to you is something else. We could keep on going. But we're going to have to let you go. And uh, But we appreciate you, and we will see you next Thursday. And uh, uh, everyone out there, you're getting uh, information and scholarship that will bless you. Mr. Smith, we're going to talk to you next time, uh, my good friend.
3: Well, thank you, Pastor Moss. Look forward to next
5: week. All right. We're going to
3: take a break.
4: We'll be back. Maybe this is you, too. A lot of people do not like their health plan right now, and they're worried they're stuck with it, one that costs too much or doesn't meet their needs or for whatever reason. They're just not happy with it. If that is you, some great news. There really is another choice. It's called MetaShare, and it's such a great option, especially if you're self-employed, changing jobs, or part of the gig economy. Here's what you get when you switch to Metashare First, huge savings. The typical family saves $500 a month. You also get a massive doctor network, or you can just use the doctor of your choice, or metashare's free 24-7 telehealth option. And you get to be part of something you can believe in. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. No wonder MediShare gets double the customer satisfaction ratings compared with typical health insurance. So no, you're not stuck. You've got a great alternative. Call now. 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE.
6: This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. The late Andrew Breitbart often exhorted his fellow conservatives to remember that politics exists downstream of culture. A New York Times analysis of Democrats' disastrous election results last week confirms that point and offers a warning to Republicans as well. The Times warned Democrats that they have lost the rural white vote to Republicans to the extent that their bond to the GOP might rival that of the Democrats' traditional hold on the black vote. Many of the ideas and issues that animate the Democratic base, they warn, can be off-putting in small towns or untethered to rural life. In Virginia and New Jersey, the Times concedes, the radical progressive agenda turned out to be off-putting in suburbs, too, even in previously reliable Democratic bastions like Fairfax and Loudoun. Democrats have learned to sneer at rural and suburban cultures rather than engage and appreciate them. Democrats haven't learned their lesson. The cultural disconnect will create a political tsunami of a red wave in the midterms if it continues. I'm Ed Morrissey.
1: Prayer isn't just sharing our wish list with God. It is reporting for duty. As you pray, allow God to ready your heart to do His will. Pray very specifically for opportunities to witness to unsaved loved ones and friends. That's one of the insights in Prayers for Your Unsaved Loved Ones, a complete scripture guide, free from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef.
2: Download your free PDF of Prayers for Your Unsaved Loved Ones at faithtalkdetroit.com, keyword prayer. That's faithtalkdetroit.com, keyword prayer.
7: Get Fit to Quit, the modern no-nonsense system that's helping tobacco users kick the habit is available at com. Alpha Lifestyle Center for Nicotine Addiction is offering $1,000 toward the Quit With Alpha program for $500 when purchased through this radio station. It's easier to follow a great plan than create one. For the most responsible, reliable, and exciting help to quit smoking, visit gotahalfitnow.com to register for the free online Quit With Alpha Masterclass and apply $1,000 toward the cost.
5: Number to call, area code 866 423 9578. Area code 866 423 9578 to be on the air Bible talk with Pastor Emmy Moss. Any questions you have about the Word of God it's welcome here. All you've got to do is call that number, area code 866 423 9578 to be on the air Bible talk with Pastor Emmy Moss. So glad to talk to my mentor, Mr. Smith, and man, as he lay out the scholarship for us to study. Uh, and so anything that helps you with knowing the Bible, friends, is something you need to get your hands on. So next time when he's on, let's make a list of all these books and uh, get them in our library. Uh, last time I was with you, I pointed out that Abraham lied. Yeah, I mean, he did, and it's in the Bible, right? And uh, it's a question that comes up uh, in Bible studies, in Sunday school, especially amongst youngsters, then how could Abraham be such a great man, and he lied, okay? And the Bible says... No, 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 no. You're not supposed to do that. Remember, over in Genesis chapter 20, verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from fence towards the south country, and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and so- sojourned in Gerir. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. Okay? Uh, because the king, Abimelech, okay, uh, was looking at her, okay, desiring her, and Abraham thought they might kill him. Uh, if he tried to interfere, okay? and Abraham said of Ab Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of agarir sent and took Sarah. Okay? And God came to Abimelech. God came to, came to this pagan king, Abimelech, in a dream by night, and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. In other words, you can see here how God about adultery, and here Abimelech, he he didn't know, he didn't know. Verse 4, but Abimelech had not come near her, okay, and he said, Lord, and so the Lord spoke to Abimelech, okay, wasn't anybody, but the Lord, the Lord literally came and confronted this king, this leader, with this information. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nation? Uh, Says he not unto me, she is my sister, and she even herself said, He is my brother, in the integrity of my heart and in the of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore I suffered thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live, and if thou restore her not, Know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. And it's very interesting that here Abraham was a prophet, okay? And so God said he's a he's a prophet, okay? uh, and he shall pray for thee, okay? Asking a man to pray for you, okay, after he lied. Huh? Wow, this comes up in Sunday school. Good luck, Sunday school teachers. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. And Abimelech called Abram or Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? What have I what have I offended thee? That thou should have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin. Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed, she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father. In other words, I didn't totally lie, but still it was a lie. It was not the complete truth, was it? Verse 12, and yet indeed, she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. All right. So... Abraham did lie, uh, and I don't think that God reward, rewarded him for lying. God rewarded him despite the fact that he lied. In other words, uh, God doesn't approve of lying, but thank God <laughs> that we have a merciful God. Okay? And he knew that Abraham was doing this not to be deceitful or to gain anything, but literally to save his life. Now, if we talk about that, to answer this question, uh, we need to know something. And that is, that isn't the first time something like that has happened in the Bible. All right? Uh, let's look at lie number two. In Exodus chapter one. Lie number two. Okay? Number to call, area code 866 423 9578. Area code 866 423 9578. To be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Amy Mark. Let's look at the mid midwives, okay? Uh, back in Egypt the time of Moses. Okay, go to them, and we'll be right back.
1: This is Daryl Wood for Faith Talk Detroit and Bible League International. Jaime is an itinerant pastor in Ecuador. He'll travel days by foot boat and mule he's been beaten by warlocks robbed of everything he had and suffered broken bones after falling 100 feet in the andes mountains what awaits him at the end of each trip a thriving congregation of hundreds of believers in an area where christianity is fiercely opposed when i share hymie's story i recall isaiah 6 8 whom shall i send who will go I believe this man is admirably answering that call and enduring much as a pastor. And like others in the world where Bibles are desperately needed, Heine is humbly asking us to send Bibles. Join us in sending God's Word to 2,600 Bibleist believers in Latin America and around the world for only $5 or $50 for 10 Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click the World Needs the Word banner at faithtalkdetroit.com.
7: F45 Training in Rochester Hills has teamed up with gotahalfitnow.com to offer you a great half-off deal. Get a one-month unlimited training membership to F45 Training in Rochester Hills for only $110. It's 45 minutes of functional training with a mix of circuit and high-intensity interval training. Team training, life-changing. Go to gotahalfitnow.com to purchase your one-month unlimited training membership to F45 Training in Rochester Hills for half price and start your journey towards a healthy you. Meet Tim. Hey, what's up? He's the person you hired for your digital marketing strategy. And when he's done battling aliens on his PS5 in his parents' basement, I'm sure he'll get right to work. Now, meet the team at Salem Surround. What's up? Nationwide exposure, experience, and expertise. Let our team of experts focus on your digital marketing strategy so you can focus on your business. It's an easy decision. To learn more about Salem Surround or for a free, no obligation digital audit, visit us at surrounddetroit.com.
5: That number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578, to be on the air Bible talk with Pastor Moss and Lucinda. How you doing, Lucinda?
2: Hello, Pastor Moss. How are you?
5: Good, good. What is on your mind?
2: Okay, so this question, uh, so it's a big one. So, you may have to pray for me after this, but, but I, 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 I don't really see... um. Abraham, he lied, but it was almost justified. So it's a two-part uh, question for me, whether he lied and whether he violated the law. And and what I was looking at, like, for example, uh, in Leviticus 18.6, in the uh, where it says, None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. But that wasn't the law regarding um that behavior now just my opinion you can correct me here was not until leviticus in other words the law came after this incident number one for me and then number two was abraham really uh next of kin he was like a uh, not the nearest of kin he was like we call distant distant (laughs) distant cousins so I'm thinking on those two grounds, because the law concerning incest came after that incident, and because Abraham, when he died, the Bible says in Genesis 25-7, he was 175 so years old. So he possibly married maybe a great-great-great-granddaughter of his father or something like that. So in my mind, I'm thinking he didn't totally lie.
5: <laughs> so as you say, it was like, that, but I like the way you said that, though. He didn't totally lie, but it's still a lie was in there.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just my take, so I'll let you talk on that. Thank you.
5: But, good uh, and you can uh, hang on, because you might even uh, have a comment that you might want to make. Okay. What um, okay. happens is you are right about one thing, right? That this was before the Ten Commandments, before the law was given. However... Mm-hmm. You know, they had some knowledge of morality, because Abraham acknowledged that what he said wasn't uh, correct. Now, what happens is also there here, over in Exodus, though. Now, remember what happens in Exodus, uh, uh, Lucinda. Here's another case, right, where, uh, remember it says in Exodus one fifteen, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shepra, and the name of the other, Puah. And he said, when you do the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women and set them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, you shall, uh, she shall live. But yeah. the midwives fear God. They were told to kill the Hebrew babies. The midwives, okay. midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded, but okay. saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives because they didn't do what he told them to do. And said unto them why have you done this thing and have saved the men and children alive? And the midwife said unto Pharaoh, uh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, they lively and our delivered ear the midwives come unto them okay
2: they lie okay, okay right okay
5: okay that wasn't that wasn't true but they, that's what they told him. <laughs> therefore God dwelt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mightily. I think, and then it says this in verse 21, and it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. But this, I say, even though what you're saying, I take it into consideration, it's very thoughtful, you're very thoughtful to point out, Uh, the law wasn't given uh, yet, but now we see here over in Exodus, we're looking at something uh, that gets closer to the Ten Commandments command. But in some cases, God blesses people, despite their error.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Not like, you know, Christians are Christians are perfect, and so God uh, blesses them in spite of their error. In other words, uh, here, the midwives had no choice, okay? The people who forced this sinful behavior uh, on them, and they weren't about to commit murder, was Pharaoh. Uh, okay? So uh, all we can say here is that it doesn't mean that God approves of lying. You no know, way does God say mm-hmm. He approves what Abraham said or the midwives said, uh, but if they are blessed, they are blessed because of the fact that God blessed them for the good they were doing in sparing the lies, and uh, not the uh, the uh, deception that they uh, that they manufactured. And we see this happening again in another place in the Bible, in the Bible. So it comes up. But just remember, God's not blessing them because of the lie, but because of their intent to not uh, do things that are even more sinful. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right.
5: Okay,
2: that's good. All right. Thank you.
5: Thank you. All right. right. Lucinda giving us the legal aspect of this whole thing. All right. Uh, We don't have a lot of time, a little time left if we continue to look here, but it is important because questions like this do arise in Sunday school classes, and, friends, you simply have to be able to respond to these things. uh, It's good to know that... um, God's a merciful God, and as you know, none of us are perfect, uh, but he commends nobody for lying. He He was commending them for what they did to stop immorality from taking place in both cases, the case of Abraham and also in the case of the midwives. Okay? In both case, cases, that's what God looks at. And this will come up again in the Bible, where uh, people are put in a corner and resorted to do what they can to preserve uh, the things that God has told them to preserve in terms of their uh, morality okay? so we have to be uh, very very mindful of that okay? and so still we are looking at, at Genesis and a lot in Genesis and as you see as we deal with it we go uh, uh, we'll deal with issues that may take us anywhere okay? anywhere in the Bible as far as even the book of uh, Revelation okay? that's, on the, that's on the table too Because there are things that are uh, happening in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, that throws a lot of light on things that happen uh, as we go uh, into the future and uh, even into the book of Revelation. All right. Now, just to let you guys know, if you enjoy this program, and I definitely enjoy bringing it to you, I need to hear from you in our P.O. box. That's right. You need to send donations to keep this program going, and you can send those donations to... Box, 05877, Detroit, Michigan, 48205. we got those six Bible Boot Camp Ministries. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back
0: Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete
4: details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com.
1: This is Daryl Wood. By now, you've all heard me talk about MyPillow and how it has literally changed the way I sleep. The pillows don't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. For a limited time, Mike is offering his premium MyPillows for his lowest price ever. You can get a Queen Premium MyPillow for $29.98, regularly $69.98. That's a $40 savings. Kings are only 5 dollars more. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, 29.98 for a queen size premium. Go to mypillow.com and click on the radio listeners square and use the promo code run to win. You will also get deep discounts on all mypillow products including the Giza Dreams bed sheets, the mypillow mattress topper and mypillow towel sets. Or call 800-919-5912 800-919-5912 800-919-5912 and use the promo code run to win at checkout.
0: For the best night's sleep in the whole wide
2: world, visit
0: MyPillow.com A moment of destiny from Pastor
1: Paul Shepard You have never shocked God in your life. Your circumstances have never shocked God. God has never been in heaven. Say, so I can't believe this. Are you kidding me? Nothing has ever caught God by surprise. And God is so much God that it doesn't matter where you are, He can get you from where you are to where He's ordained you to be. Not only can He get you there, He'll make it work out where it looked like you were supposed to be where you are so He could get you to where you ought to be.
0: Pastor Paul Shepard is the Senior Pastor of Destiny Christian Fellowship in Northern California. Program is heard daily on radio stations across America and anytime at PastorPaul.net.
5: All right, this is Pastor Moss, Strictly Biblical Bible Teaching Ministries. This is the Bible Talk radio program where we encourage you to listen to and to, of course, call uh, Monday through Friday as we're here to deal with Bible teaching and to answer your Bible questions as best we can. And also, we'd like for you to support this radio outreach by sending donations to P.O. Box 05877, P.O. Box 05877, Detroit, Michigan, 48205, and make out those checks to Bible Boot Camp Ministries. We appreciate all of you who call. That is what keeps our program going. And here uh, we're going through the book of uh, Genesis. Been dealing with that at our Sunday services uh, from uh, starting at eleven o'clock at one o seven o nine Grand River in Oakland. We are still dealing with prophecy, looking at uh, last day Christians, and I've been talking a lot about biblical prophecy. That seems to be. Uh, uh, something that really needs to be focused on today as we look at our world and where it is heading. So we do encourage you, 10709 Grand River, Strictly Biblical uh, Bible Teaching Ministries, uh, 10709 Grand River, it opened, we look for you there. All right, here in Genesis, we are looking at chapter 13, uh, and it talks about Abraham, uh, Abram still here uh, being called, and Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and not with him, into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, Bethel and Hiah, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there in the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord, and Lot also went uh, which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. Okay, they were living together, but the land was not able to hold, because they were expanding, okay, in terms of their uh, uh, possessions, okay, animals, you know. It says, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the uh, Perizzite dwelled in the land. Okay? I didn't say Parasite is an insect. It's a name believe it, believe it or not of a tribe here. And Ab- and Abram said, at verse 8, and Abram said unto Lot let there be no strife I pray thee between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee before thee okay so in other words let's make a choice somebody's got to stay here somebody's got to go because we, we can't be in this land space together verse 9 is not the whole land before thee separate thyself I pray thee for me if thou will take the left hand then I will go to the right or if thou depart to the right hand then I will go to the left now that's real good of, uh, of uh, Abraham to bargain that way right Of course, he's saying he's putting it in Lot's hand to make the choice. He didn't want to uh, uh, make the choice himself. He's uh, being gracious to Lot. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't that interesting? Things can look so nice to our eyes looks like something that we just want we can't stand to be without it okay but yet it can be destroyed if it's something that does not please god there's lessons to be learned in genesis chapter 13 my friends okay Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of jordan it was well watered everywhere before the lord destroyed sodom and gomorrah oh there's le- lessons to I could preach this easily, (laughs) right? Just because something looks good does not mean by any means that it's good for you. It's got to have substance, not just some kind of outside appearance. Okay? Wow. Okay? Then verse 11, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Wow. Uh, A name that comes down in infamy, doesn't it? Okay? Notice this. But. Here is the but. It looked great, looked fine. Okay? Good landscape, all that. But. Genesis 13 and 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Wow. Look at this verse, verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners. But not only that, right in God's face and exceedingly so. They produced nothing but absolute wickedness. What does this let you know? that just because something looks good does not mean it is good for you, okay? Just because it looks attractive, it might be unattractive spiritually and even psychologically so, okay? Because it says, verse 13, but the men, and why does it just say the men? Why doesn't it focus on the women as well? Unless the term men here is meant to include both both groups, but I don't think so. I think that men are the target here, and uh, we're going to find out why pretty soon uh, as we continue with this text. But the men of Sodom were were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. In other words, they weren't just ordinary sinners. They were bad. (laughs) Really bad, right? That's what it's saying here. So whatever sin is described here, is something that like all sin, all because all sin is an abomination to God, uh, but possibly some are more in the abominational category than others. But sin, my friends, is sin. Okay? And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward, For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Talking about Abraham's seed. It's talking about the Jews. Okay? You see how God is going to bless that nation? And I'm here to tell you, Armageddon is not going to destroy them. Okay? There's no nation on the planet that's going to destroy the seed of Abraham, okay, the Jewish people. God will prevent that. So arise to the land, and the length of it, and the breadth of it, for I have given it unto thee. We're going to stop right there. But it gets exciting as we go along. This is the Bible Talk program. Keep reading your Bibles, and we will see you next time. Sponsored by Bible Boot Camp Ministries. The
4: following program is sponsored by Bible Boot Camp Ministries.
0: Thursday on Truth for Life, Alistair Begg confronts us with the reality that we are lawbreakers.
7: The reason that most of us could not speak to our friends about breaking the law of God in relationship to the Fourth Commandment is because we are in such dreadful predicaments in relationship to it ourselves.
0: Find out why observing the Lord's Day can have relevance now. Thursday on Truth for Life with
1: Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg, weekday mornings at 8.30 on FM 92.7 and AM 1500. Faith Talk, Detroit.